and get it going. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, and uh, I hope you are thirsty for some Thursday pro wrestling punditry because we got it here for you today. And I am joined here as I am always on Thursday by my good friend Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkley. Good day, Nick. Yes, good day to you. Uh, we got a big day here uh, coming up. Uh, I yesterday teased we were going to have an interview on the show here today that I recorded yesterday. I couldn't tell you who it was because I didn't have it in the can, but the cat is out of the bag. We are on the eve of double or nothing, and today, Justin, on this show, you are going to get an exclusive interview with Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Gold Dust. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. It's a very good get. I can only imagine, I can guess of some of the things you probably asked him, and I can't wait to hear. Yeah, so we talk about uh, everything involving Double or Nothing, AEW, walking away from WWE, uh, his frustrations with creative. It's all there, guys. You're going to really enjoy this ride. Uh, I want to thank Raj, by the way, uh, for, for teeing this one up for me here. He was the one who, uh, who set this one up. Uh, also here, after the Dustin Rhodes audio, I'm going to play for you the full audio from uh, the Conrad Thompson StarCast 2 media call. I have the full audio. I've been uh, waiting for today to, to drop it on you guys. I think it's a great compliment to the uh, Dustin piece, and I know you guys are going to love it. And at the end of the show, at the very end of the show, after the news, after the interviews, after Justin and I do our goodbyes here at the end, we are going to wrap the show up with a very special Owen Hart tribute song called We Still Need You, Owen. It is by Greg Fishman. And uh, it is uh, in memory of the 20-year anniversary of his passing, which is today. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Hart family has embraced this song, and uh, we were allowed to run it here on the show today. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to allowing that to, to wrap us up here, you know? It's wild that it's been 20 years. I still, <clears throat> I still remember where I was and watching that show that night. Yeah. Um, and uh, lastly here, uh, before we get to everything else, I want to remind you this Friday, tomorrow, 2.30 p.m., StarCast 2's podcast movement stage at the tuscany suites and casino we are having our wrestling inc hootenanny we are gonna get it going uh we're gonna have glenn we're gonna have uh scott fishman raj will be there the two-face podcast and some special surprise guests as well that have uh, started to uh come into my uh, periphery so we got a lot there a uh, lot that's gonna break down prizes games guests the whole nine yards come join us it's our hootenanny uh, at the StarCast 2 podcast movement stage. Uh, but let's get to it here. News you can use, news that'll leave a bruise. Uh, and this one, hot off the presses, Justin. Uh, just before we went to record, I was reading about this here. Uh, the Wrestling Observer reporting that USA wanted the hardcore title to return. Apparently, uh, this was one of many ideas that USA has been uh, sending to WWE in an attempt to help boost the lagging third-hour ratings. Um, they've sent other ideas that, based off sources we've talked to, have uh, all been terrible. So, um, I don't know, Justin, what do you think here about USA uh, tossing a creative idea to, to WWE like this and with them uh, running with it? Well, from the best that we know over the years, through the long-standing relationship that WWE has had with USA, that USA stayed primarily out of it, so it seems, it seems like Vince has had full control of his ship, and that's you know that's that's made him that's kept him happy and kept this relationship going. But obviously this is this is this is a sign of um, it's a different it's a different game now. It's a sign of all you know viewerships in decline. It's a sign of hey you're taking one of your shows and going to uh, a competing uh, media entity in Fox. Um, so I, I don't think this is necessarily going to be the I don't think this is the last time you know uh, and you know unless unless the viewership uh, really turns around and gets back to where uh, it once was. Now obviously we talked yesterday there was an increase in viewership this past week so. You know, they're in the right direction, but um, 
Yeah, I mean this 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 is certainly not you know we, we talked about it with Fox and talked about it, you know with, with you know the wild card rule and wanting Roman Reigns and top stars on both shows and I mean this is this is going to be a dangerous game of having these suits these ne- these network suits trying to come in and tell Vince what to do and and to some degree Vince has to listen. Yeah, I guess so. I would love to know what these other uh, quote unquote terrible ideas are that USA is pitching to uh, WWE right now and. You know, it, it it's not going to make the product any better. You know, we, we were talking about the frustrations reportedly that, that Triple H is having with Vince right now. And, you know, it sounds like a big one is that the creative team is just so big. There's too many voices in the room right now. It's watering down the product. On top of 40 writers, now you've also got, uh, you know, the USA Network and Fox uh, in your ear giving you ideas as well. This, you know, is, as much as, you know, we're, we're gearing up for a big pro wrestling boom, sometimes I sit there and I wonder, like, What's going on here? Because it doesn't feel boomish to me. It feels like a disorganized mess some days. Oh, it does. Uh, I mean, and and you know, the boom is coming. We think when there's going to be you know, you know, a competition. Um, you know, when there's going to be competition in the fall. I mean, and, and hopefully that competition, hopefully that, hopefully the um, you know, the the legitimate distribution that AEW is going to have, and what we think AEW is going to have roster wise and everything like that. Hopefully that that will do what it did to WWE back in the '90s in terms of it's going to make them you know, uh, you know, think out of the box or it's going to make them have to be better. Um, so that, I mean, I think that's what we're all hoping for. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, time will tell, I guess here. Yeah. This, and it's weird. It's also weird to me, right? 24 seven championship. It's, it's, you know, it can be defended all 24 hours of the day, but it's that third hour raw where I guess it's really important. You know, it's just weird to me. Yeah. That's the thing. It's supposed to be 24 seven, but technically it's, not, it's, it's, it's actually only 22 hours a day. They can't do it in the first two hours of raw. Uh, I wonder if we see it uh, in the first two hours uh, of Raw over the next couple weeks, if it starts to spread around, or if they keep it in the third hour. It was just another one of those things that Mick had to like work into the promo that everyone was just like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, Mick, Mick Foley, who's a best-selling author and who's arguably one of the smartest people that's in that locker room, is, <laughs> is hearing the notes being given to him for this promo, and he's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Wait, what? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's do this thing, I guess. Um, well, talk about a, another big idea they had. Of course, the Money in the Bank briefcase uh, holder is currently Brock Lesnar, the Observer, uh, with a couple notes here about Brock. It is likely that Brock is in a cash-in. The Money in Bank uh, against Seth Rollins at Super Showdown. It's also possible uh, that Brock could just get the match with Rollins without having to cash in the Money in the Bank. So he gets the match and he gets to keep the briefcase. Uh, and also they noted that uh, only Ali was the one who knew that Brock Lesnar was going to be winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. Everyone else was left in the dark. Uh, I'll start by saying, what do you think of the idea of Brock getting a rematch here with Rollins uh, but not having to use the Money in the Bank briefcase? Well, I hate it. I mean, they, they've, they've, they, that was one of the big things they tried to make a point of when they wanted to revamp months ago when the McMahons took back over, which was, you know, no more of this automatic rematch clause. So how stupid would it be to give, to, to all of a sudden break that on one of the highest profile storylines, which is Brock coming in, winning the money in the bank. I mean, how dumb would it be that he's got a briefcase, but he's getting title shot anyways. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, what, so then what happens? He is, I mean, cause that would then to me, that would say, okay, well, Brock's definitely not winning this cause they still have the briefcase to exercise. Right. I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to be, he's not going to be walking around the money in the bank briefcase while champion, unless he becomes universal champion. He walks around the briefcase and he uses that to cash in on the SmackDown championship. And now he does have both titles and he's Brock two belts, Brock, Brocky two belts. And you know, I, that kind that thought kind of went through my head too, where I was like, well, yeah, you know, he could. He could take the belt here from Seth and then, you know, maybe have the briefcase and, and go after Kofi or whoever, you know, on that debut episode of, of SmackDown. But what does it say about Seth Rollins 
that they are going to hotshot this title right off of him after building him up as the, the beast slayer and everything. Like, you know, again, it's like, you know, you're talking about trying to build new stars and everything. Yeah, Seth Rollins is as close to a, a big name, in-house name that you've got over the past few years, and you're going to sacrifice him to Brock Lesnar. It just seems counterintuitive to me. It does, and I, I can't imagine that, um, you know, I can't imagine that, that Seth would be too happy. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, Seth has lost his friend and and, and John Moxley, who's gone. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure Seth is on the higher end in terms of being compensated uh, by the company. So it's not like he can necessarily, you know, I mean, I, 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 what I'm trying to get at, it, it's not, I can't, I don't see Seth being as disgruntled as some of the guys lower on the card that we've heard or in girls we've heard are unhappy. But, um, but I, I certainly would have to think that if this happens, if they do hotshot the title off of him uh, after building him up, like you said, I, I can't imagine, I got to imagine he's going to have a little creative frustration. Maybe he's pulling um, Triple H to the side and just venting a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I would I would think so. And yeah, on this note here about only Ali knowing uh, about Brock coming in there in, in this bout, uh, you know, just interesting to, to have somebody walk around and go, hey, hey, uh, Brock's going to destroy you now. Last second. That's the thing you don't want to find out last minute, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. Well, and, you know, and I spoke earlier this week. I was under the I was under the understanding impression that that's how it went, that, that they that they that they the only person they did tell was Ali because he's the one you do need to make sure you know so he doesn't you know unhook that briefcase uh, too quick. Um, and, and then you know, now it makes it, and now that we, you know, we're hearing this even more from other, other places, it, it makes it go back now and watch, go back and watch. Cause like when, when Brock's up there celebrating, he's laughing, he looks down. I don't, I, I don't know which wrestler was laying outside the ring, the, the, the side of the ring closest to the hard camera. I don't know if it was Orton or who it was, but if you go back and watch as Brock's celebrating, he's just sitting on the ladder and they're, and, and, and they're, and they're closing the show. He's laughing and he looks down at one of the wrestlers, one of the guys in the match. He says, I'm back. Ha ha ha. Like he, you know, like, so, I mean, yeah, everybody else except for Ali is legitimately looking like what the hell is happening? Like they weren't, they were not smart enough to it, which, you know, again, in this time of where we're hearing, you know, we're hearing about morale and hearing about people's frustrations I don't know what it. What, I don't know what the morale is when all those guys are walking back to the curtain, all of whom except for Ali, you know, not being told the correct finish of the match. I don't. I don't know how that sits with all of them. It was pointed especially, out, especially, especially the, especially the more veteran guys. <laughs> it was point. Yeah. Well, you talk about veteran. Randy Orton came. You know, I was talking to Raj earlier about this actually, and he was the one who pointed out to me that Randy Orton just genuinely like <laughs> does not look happy. And I'm like, well, for sure. You know, this guy came in. He's back in the main event, first of all. But I'm getting flashbacks to SummerSlam a couple years ago where Brock nearly murdered this man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, some more Super Showdown news here. Uh, post-wrestling, uh, our good friends there, Pollock and Way, uh, were the first to report that Aleister Black uh, also joining Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens on the list of talent not going to Saudi Arabia for the Super Showdown. Uh, the Observer is reporting that the reason Black has been pulled from the show is not because he requested it or anything like that. It's because, I guess, he has uh, religious tattoos um, that would be offensive in Saudi Arabia. That's kind of a unique reason for somebody to not have to be on this show. Yeah, that is. That is very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, again, this is not going to go away for as long as I keep doing the Saudi Arabia shows. There's always going to be a kind of a, I guess, that list of, okay, these people can't go for for X, Y, and Z reasons. So I, I, I didn't even think of that with, with black, but uh, I, I could, I, I, I was going to say when I heard that he wasn't going, uh, if it wasn't because of his own personal, uh, Hey, I don't want to go. 
I was going to wonder, is it something with because his character is like very cult-like, if there was something with that that's offensive. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't too far off the mark, but the tattoos, that, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I guess it, the, the, big, uh, the big one on his back is uh, like a Nordic goddess who rebelled against paradise. And he talks about it. We got we to write it up on the site. But basically, the tattoo is uh, meant to be a sign of equality for all women and men that were the same. So a very positive message the way he spins it. But, uh, of course... Uh, equality for women and men and women can't even be on this show so i guess it's, uh... I, I wonder i wonder who bring like i wonder it, it, like i wonder did, do you think he brought that to the attention of the WWE office like or is somebody sitting around is is it somebody's job whenever they're scheduling another saudi arabia show to go through the roster and think of every th- possible you know like are we are we gonna i, I don't know I'm, I'm curious whose job it is to monitor the cultural um the cultural aspect of these shows and, and these talents. Yeah, I I would also be interested in that. I would think I would have to guess that somebody on the Saudi end reached out to them uh, with the list of, you know, it sounds like they're very particular about how they want these shows presented and who will be on them. And and I would guess that Saudi Arabia probably brought this to their attention and made the request. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't I don't I don't see Vince in the gorilla position going. Damn it, he can't go. <laughs> Uh, uh, Ruby Riot. Uh, we got an update on Ruby Riot. She underwent surgery on her right shoulder. Uh, she's going to have the same surgery on her left shoulder here at a later date. No recovery time frame has been given, uh, but double surgeries. Uh, that does sound like she'll be out for a while, and uh, it, it explains why the Riot Squad uh, was weirdly broken up. Uh, I finally got my answer. I feel like with this. Yeah, it does explain that. Uh, this is a shame. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of her, and I, and I kind of thought. You know, obviously, leading into WrestleMania, everything was, um, you know, Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte. Um, but I, but I, but you know, they obviously Ruby. You know, the other, other, other. You know, those, you know, Ruby was seen in some matches and had some matches and whatever. And you know, but I, and I kind of always thought, you know, she could be somebody that, you know, after Mania and assuming Ronda goes away, which you know, right now she has. Um, I thought Ruby was somebody they could, um, they could start to elevate and, and get behind. So that's that's unfortunate to hear. Yeah, uh, I agree. And it's unfortunate, too, where it's left Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, both of which I like a lot. I'm a big fan of Ruby, too. I mean, she made her name here in Chicago as Heidi Lovelace. Um, it, I, it's weird to me that, yeah, Liv and, and Sarah just have vanished. And, and Liv Morgan, for sure, I thought they'd have something for her. She's got such a, a crazy, unique look, you know? Well, and I wonder if why not, um, you know, why not put sarah with her real life husband and you know and, and put her you know she her gimmick is kind of you know, you know put let her be part of the presentation of the war raiders or whatever they're called now the viking raider whatever uh, that tag team put her put them with put her with them <laughs> that's good branding right there the whatever they're called now <laughs> well i mean I, I, I don't know i don't remember what it is we've had like three versions i don't remember and, and i yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, you know who I'm talking about. Man, it is like taking a hundred dollar bill and just lighting it on fire and laughing about it, right? I mean, these guys, as hot as they were in Japan, as hot as they were at NXT, to within three weeks on the main roster be jumbled around over a name issue and forgotten, really, ugh. Of all of the things we talk about, disorganized, that one, that one, like hurts my soul when I talk about it out loud, you know. And like they had a cool name, you know, like Ray Rowe and Hanson. And now you're going to be, uh, you're going to be Igor, or you're going to be Eric or Ivor or whatever the hell. I mean, it's just, just it's just so, oh, it just screams of uh, taking a big pail of water and tossing it on, on uh, guys who are on fire. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, well, on that note with the, uh, the Viking Raiders, I think is where we're at right now. Uh, they have vacated the NXT Tag Team Championships because they're on the main roster now and got to get them off them. Uh, so now it has been announced there's going to be a four-way tag team ladder match at the June 8th takeover for the NXT Tag Titles. Undisputed Era's Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish 
taking on Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, uh, taking on the Street Profits, and then taking on the Forgotten Sons, Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler. Uh, for my money here, the Street Profits have just been such a great act in NXT. Uh, I really like all their viral stuff. They haven't really ever been given the ball to run with. Uh, I would like to see the Street Profits get the win here and give a chance to uh, to see what they can do as, as title holders. Yeah, and the Viking Raiders are just so busy on Raw and SmackDown's main roster that they don't have enough time to be able to be booked to come defend and drop their titles in the match. But that's that seems stupid. Let them let you know. Don't let, let them let them be part of the match and actually. I mean, you know, again, it's not like it's not like they're so busy on Raw and SmackDown we can't possibly uh, get them to the NXT Takeover show uh, to to let them be part of the match. So, you know, that, that that you know, let's let's not add that excitement. Let's just go ahead and pull it right off of them. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I mean, I was upset that I didn't see them dropping the title here. I hadn't exactly been able to verbalize it, but I think you put it you put all the right the right words there together. Yeah, they're just so busy, Justin. Like right. that's why they can't do it. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and it also just solidifies what we've figured, which is like talents from NXT are just getting plucked in the last minute decision making and you know, like like because obviously like if there was actually like a like a formal plan, I'm sure Triple H would have done his due diligence and got the titles off of them and gave the audience uh, an explanation and an exciting match. But, you know, apparently, oh, nope, they're coming. Uh, just, just just, take the titles off and they don't matter. Just take them off. Well, it, you know, it is interesting. You know, I, uh, at the same token, you know, with NXT kind of, you know, the new ECW, you know, feeder system, main roster, whatever you want to call it, you know, a lot of the same headaches are, are what ECW struggled with. Um, but what's so great about NXT, kind of similarly to, to ECW, is the creative environment there has, you know, led them to put it together something I think is going to be really fun here. I think this is going to be a very good tag match, a ladder match. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it'll be a great match. I just, like I said, I just, I wish one of the teams could have been the guys who were, who were the champions. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Breeze, on that note, is going to take on Velveteen Dream, also at TakeOver for the NXT North American Championship. Uh, I want to get excited about this because um, I think Tyler Breeze could could use a jumpstart here, but I don't think it's time to take this title off Velveteen Dream yet. I think he's just getting rolling here as the North American champ. Yeah, I don't see the title coming off him, but I, I'll tell you what, if we get Tyler Breeze as Tyler Breeze is and was at, a, at the height of his popularity in NXT, if, you know, I mean, that's those are some those are some two fun entrances and some some shenanigans that can happen with you know, him with him, the selfie stick and the posing and the apron. And then, of course, uh, the experience that is Velveteen Dream, that could be a really, really fun, um, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall. You know, who's the most flamboyant of them all? Yeah, I was surprised here in the Dustin interview. We're going to play here in a second. He talks about how he worked with Dream, uh, Velveteen Dream, to get him to this point where he's at right now. That makes that makes total sense. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was just a nice little talking point. You hear about it in a second. Uh, the winner of the Casino Battle Royal on AEW's uh, buy-in pre-show is going to face the winner of Jericho versus Omega for the AEW Championship. It's been announced. Uh, what's your take? I like this, you know. We were talking yesterday about how when they announced that Sean Spears gonna be, in the, you know, in the in 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 the battle in the in the Casino Royale, that um, you know, like what is that a big deal? Is it is it is it a, is it is it too low of profile of of a match and deal? So I like this. I like the fact that it gives you it make it makes this battle royal slash royal rumble whatever it's gonna be mean something more. I also like that it kind of you know one of the knocks that I think WWE has had is is um when they when when we when we think when we perceive that they've relegated a match and a storyline to the kickoff show to the pre-show whatever the terminology is we kind of think oh that's that's kind of downgrading you know we were all kind of surprised dana bryan and eric rowan were in a tag match on a kickoff show for money in the bank so at least this you know on, on a kickoff show for this for this highly anticipated show it, it's not like oh they're on the kickoff show they don't matter as much it's kind of like hey you're getting this free you're getting this free look at something that is going to matter. The winner is going to matter later on. So I, I think this is a really good, um, a really good uh, off the bat booking move for them. Yeah, 
there, there are a lot of pros and cons to, to this. I think you made a, a very good point there. I'm still surprised they put Ty Dillinger on the pre-show, regardless, just because I think he would have been a, a fun, nice surprise as part of the, the actual show. But we'll see what they do with him. For my money, though, the winner of this Casino Battle Royal, I think it'll be MJF. I think that he looks and feels the part of a guy that would carry around something uh, like money in the bank. I, I think that he's the guy that goes that goes over here. I could agree with that. And obviously, looking at looking at who we know is in it so far, you know, uh, you know, I mean, MJF was at the, you know, the original, um, you know, the original AEW announcement and press conference. So like, he's somebody who, you know, we know is what we think we know again, is a, is a full-time member of this, you know, other guys like, you know, Pillman jr. Uh, I'm assuming this might just be kind of like a one-off. Cause I think he's still with MLW, correct? He, so, is, still, I mean, uh, he is still with MLW, but court uh, Bauer, I asked him about this like a month ago in the interview. He's way more open to the idea of his talent being a part of AEW as long as AEW would allow that. So I don't think that the MLW thing is a sticking point. I, you know, I think court would be happy okay. to keep the Lucha brothers. I think he'd be happy to keep MJF. I, I, I don't think he has an issue with it. Okay. Well, where I was going with that was I was saying, looking at who's on there, I was going to say if they, if, if it's people like Pillman jr. Or others that are, that are affiliated elsewhere, maybe they, maybe I scratched them off the possibility of winning. But now that if you just said that, then, then I guess maybe everybody's fair game to possibly be a winner. But yeah, I, I do agree. MJF would, he would fit again, but he would make sense too that he's obviously somebody that they went into this announcement already having already probably having plans to to build build around. So that would make sense. And I should preface too that while I think Court would be open to that, or I know Court would be open to that, I think AEW less open to that. Uh, they had the last two weeks on MLW TV, uh, Pentagon and Phoenix lost clean in singles bouts to other talents. So I think they're already getting those guys written out of the MLW product. So I don't I don't think MJF will be on MLW TV much longer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, CM Punk joked to the fan on Twitter who uh, was speculating about him joining AEW said, OMG, AEW confirmed. Nothing really to it, but it did really well on the site. So CM Punk trolling everybody there. Uh, and lastly here, Cody Rhodes, uh, we got some trademark updates here. His application for Bash at the Beach was initially refused because it's too similar to WWE's The Bash trademark. Uh, his trademark for uh, Dustin Rhodes or Dusty Rhodes was also initially refused because it's too similar to WWE's Dustin Rhodes trademark, which I guess is why he's just Dustin in AEW at the moment. Um, but they did approve the following trademarks, which will be published for opposition soon. Bunkhouse Stampede, Battle Bowl, The American Nightmare, The American Dream, and The Prince of Wrestling. So, you know, um, just an update there. It looks like Cody could get a cup man. Battle Bowl, Bunkhouse Stampede. You know, these were pay-per-view names that are synonymous with the Rhodes family. Yeah, I mean, a big loss is not getting Bash of the Beach. I know that's one that fans often clamor for, that yeah. they wish WWE would have embraced. My guest at this time is a former WWE Intercontinental Champion. He's going to face his brother, Cody Rhodes, this Saturday night at AEW's Double or Nothing. It is Dustin Rhodes. Dustin, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. What's going on, Nick? I am, well, you're going on. You're the bell of the ball at this mo uh, at the moment. How does it feel... To, to be away uh, from WWE at the moment and out there doing your own thing with your brother? Well, it feels good, first of all, to be away from the WWE and out on my own doing what I want to do. So um, looking, I'm looking forward to this this weekend, man. I've trained hard for it, worked my butt off, got in good, good shape, probably the best shape I've ever been in since high school, man. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, feeling really good. This, to me, is... In my 31 years in the business, the most important night of my life, and and I, I really do mean that. It, it is that important to me. I am that excited, that nervous, 
that every, everything that goes with it is, is very special for me, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, buddy. Now, your brother has hyped this match is uh, less of a brother versus brother encounter and more of a generation versus generation encounter. Do you do you feel the same way about it going into it? Well, you know, Cody's going to say what he wants to say. He he likes to. He's an egotistical little son of a bitch, and that's what he does. There's a 16 year age difference in in us, and we were raised very very different. Uh, different mothers. And personally, you know, he, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. But I was, I've been there for him. I was there for him throughout his childhood growing up. And I remember putting him on my shoulder when he was a baby, you know, and burping him. And for that split moment, for those little moments like that, you know, I, I was his protector, man. And it's, it's really cool that Cody is doing what he's doing, but he's got to realize that I have a lot, a long track record with this man. And he just wants to, he hates everything about the attitude era. He hates everything about my generation. And I don't understand that. I don't because without the old school, there is no new school. And, and I get what he's trying to do. And, and I'm very proud of him for what he's doing, but you cannot kill a generation. You can't, you can't. And, and definitely, I am not a freaking dying horse just out in the pasture waiting to be put down. And, you know, the, the, the things he said in his interview really struck me. And they, they worked me over for a few days. And, you know, I talked to my wife a lot about it. And that's a shoot because I, I was, I was like asking myself, is he serious? Is he, is he freaking serious about this shit? You know, because he truly doesn't love his brother. I mean, does he have some hidden resentment? against me or is it just he's trying to work people up into a frenzy i don't know but you know um we're gonna find out saturday you know and i I just hope at the end of this whatever happens that we hug and that, that that i can look him in the eyes and tell him you know i appreciate it and no, no matter what the outcome i love you you're my brother and it just Going back to his his promo and what he said, you know, about I love my brother and this and that. It, it really, I mean, geez, come on, man. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying? I I absolutely know what you're saying here. I mean, this is, this has become very personal here. You know, what do you think that uh, y'all's famous father, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, would have to say about this encounter uh, and and really just the launch of AEW overall? Well. If you if you take back the years that uh, I pushed for this match on a uh, the, the big stage of the other company, and we were denied we were denied that because we were told it wasn't good enough, it wasn't important enough to be on the big show. It uh, that that stuck with me and that pissed me off. And they were wrong. They were wrong in everything that they said. I don't care what anybody thinks or says at this point, it doesn't matter to me because this thing Saturday night, double or nothing is my moment. This is Cody's moment. And you watch this pay-per-view and I know a lot of people are, are getting this pay-per-view just for this because it should have happened years ago. And, you know, I, I, I look at that and I look at some other old timers in the business, like say, 
uh, Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson was very, very, and, and this could have been the reason why we never made it on, on a, a big stage, on the big stage, was that it would never work. But you, you take the Hardys, you take Owen and Brett, you know, um, you take those feuds, and they did work. They did work when you have two talented kids that can go out there. Well, not kids. He's a kid. I'm, I'm the old man. But you take the two talented uh, ta- talented athletes that we are, we can make anything work. We're roads. And I'm just, you know, it's like, and my, my dad never said anything. He never, he never, like, said he was against anything. You know, you just, you saw this look in his eyes like he wasn't sure or, or what have you. Like, you know, we were given the match at fast playing, and it was a shit match. I wasn't happy with it. Cody wasn't happy with it. You know, it's not what we wanted. And dad was there, but you know, dad was having some, some health issues at that point, but you could tell he just wasn't into this. Like he was in to Cody and I being tag team champions against the shield and him being there with his boys, you know, that was more important to him. But right now I know, I know that pops is, is grinning ear to ear. I'm very proud of Cody, proud of both his boys, but Cody's going on to do some amazing things. And AEW man is, it's going to shock. It's going to open a lot of eyes, and it's going to shock the world. And and I think everybody is rushing to see what they can do to uh, up their their uh, up their ratings, up their entertainment value. Because you know, let's face it, man. The, some of the the creative team in in the other company is, you know. From what I've seen, you know, I mean, you, you pitch so many ideas and things and nothing ever gets done. They never take your ideas serious. And then you have to bypass them and go to the boss. And then when you go to the boss, everybody else gets mad. And then they tell you to go to the writers. And it's really confusing. And it sucks when you have a really good story because you know what the hell you're doing in the business. And they won't go with it, you know, because you're not important enough. And that's that stuck with me. That stuck with me for for a long, long time, and I'm sure it stuck with Cody. And what he's doing right now is is taking on the world and taking on everybody. And he's going to leave no prisoners. He's going to leave nobody. I mean, everybody's going to be in, in his rear rear view window. You know what I'm saying? He he's Cody Rhodes, and he's out to uh, prove a point. He's Dusty Sun. He's got that knack of the entertainment and the smart business savvy uh, sense that dad had with, with booking and running shows and creating and doing things, you know, and it's just going to be run a little bit differently. And it's very interesting because I know nothing about AEW. This is my first uh, step into this, this new company. And uh, I'm anxious to see, I mean, I've seen all the, the young bucks and the Kenny's and of course, Jericho and Pac and, and everybody, you know, and, and some of the other, other young talent on the indie scene. And it's just really cool that you have a group of young kids, man, taking over the world right now. And everybody is scared. And they should be. Because you have you have somebody who is, is behind them 110% and going to give them the ball to play with. And they're going to make some magic with it. And so I know Dad is proud. To go back to your original question, I know I'm rambling a little bit. That's Sorry, fine. I had too much caffeine. I just got out of the gym for a second time today. I'm being stupid because I'm so nervous. But Dad's proud. 
I'm proud of my brother. But and, and, and if this is one last ride for me, which it very well may be, I'm going out there with a bang, man, and I'm going to have the most fun I've ever had. And I get to do it with my brother. And there's nothing more important to me at this at this stage of 31 years. I could not do anything to to top this right now. I mean, you had WrestleMania 12 kind of set me apart and on my way as the, the, the character Goldust Classic. with Roddy Piper. And then, you know, other things happened and some some great moments in, in my, my history. And then, then the shield and the brotherhood happened, which was took place of the Roddy Piper to me personally, to be with my brother and to do that kind of stuff and with dad there ringside with us. And now there's this. So if this is the end for me, this is, it's been a hell of a ride and I'm very proud of myself and I'm proud of Cody and everything that he's about to do. But Saturday night, I got a little more experience. I know some tricks that he doesn't and I'm going to give it my all, man. And he's, he's not going to be prepared for this new and improved Dustin because I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. I mean, New knees, new everything, dropped weight, ready for this thing, like so focused. And it's nerve-wracking, you know, because I've been out of the ring for about seven, eight months, I guess, since my uh, surgeries. And when you're out for that, that, time, that, that time frame, you get nervous. But to me, I, I say to the young kids, man, if you're not nervous, you don't give a shit. You know, so it's good to be nervous. It's a good nervous and it's exciting. And that's about all I can say about it, man. I'm going to have some fun and I can't wait till Saturday. Well, you validated my nerves walking into this interview with you on the eve of double or nothing. So thank you for that. Um, You know, we've talked, you're talking to me a bit about, you know, your relationship with WWE creative and the the company in general. Can you walk me through a little bit about what the conversations were like with WWE as you were uh, asking to leave the company to go join your brother at at new rival competition? No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put anybody down, man, or anything like that. I don't really want to go into that because that was passed and I'm not there anymore. I, I asked for my release because I wanted to do things. I wanted, I wanted to have some freedom. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was going nowhere at that point. Um, you know, when you're just not involved in, in a storyline and you're trying to get involved in a storyline and it's, 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 it's heartbreaking for everybody that, that, that are up there, you know, cause there's so many talent that are coming in and I know my age and I know that it's not about me anymore. I know it's about these young kids, but man, you're so, you love the business so much, you know, you love the business. And then you look at other people that are behind the scenes and you can just see that they're just miserable because they're scared to death to speak up and say anything. And that that's got to stop, man. You have to stop being scared to say what, you know, if, if something is pitched to you, pitched to you and it's a damn good angle, you know, why are you scared to go take it to the man? Yeah. I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. He's a man. You know what I mean? That's all he is. He might be our boss or, or what have you, but he's just a man. And all you can do is say yes or no, but at least you got, got an answer. 
And I think my frustration was I didn't get a lot of answers. You know, I would I would pitch something and they would say, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do that." You know, and then they would follow up with the next week saying, "Yeah, we talked about it. We're gonna do it." And nothing ever happened. So you're just kind of in limbo, and your 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 hunger for the business is still there because it's in my blood. I love it. You yeah. know, and and I think every time I've gone out there, I've performed very very well, whether it's been for three minutes or. 25 minutes. I mean, I've, I've done a great job. I haven't really had too many bad experiences and people have enjoyed me over the years. So, and as long as I still have that hunger, I want to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Until that, that hunger leaves me, I'm not going to keep creating or, or stop creating. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to keep pitching ideas because that's a, that's a lot. And it doesn't matter like what I, I would be doing, man. If, if I'm backstage doing a backstage segment, I'm going to make the best backstage segment I can. I mean, I have, a, I have some longevity with this character and it's amazing. And I look back on it and I'm like, holy shit, man. I mean, this thing has really stood the test of time and then some and kept on and kept on and kept on. And it's just like the people have, have come to really adore and love the gold dust character. So, uh, but me like leaving <clears throat> because I want to try some new things like the acting business, you know, I'm, sure. I, that's another passion of mine that I want to do. And, and I'm going full board with that. But this opportunity arose with Cody. I'm stepping in because that, that is my first love is, is the wrestling business. And, um, I'm still hungry though. You know what I mean? And at 50 years old, I'm still hungry. I still want to create, I still want to, do the very best at whatever it is that I can do. And I still have a little bit left in the tank. Now, if this is it for me, this is, you know, it's going to be a damn good show. And that's all I can say about that. You know, it's interesting uh, that 50 number is a number that's come up in a few interviews with me recently where I, I know that's the age that a lot of wrestlers uh, aim to wrestle to. That's like a, you know, I, I think Loki I recently interviewed and he said he's hoping to get to 50, you know, you talk about this match with Cody here, you know, saying this could be your last stand. But, I mean, looking beyond him, are there any other goals you would have in AEW? Any other talent you'd want to work with, I guess? Well, here's the one thing about the, the whole the age thing. I mean, age is just a number. It depends on how you're feeling and things like that. But when I first broke into the business, and I'm look, I look back at some of the old-timers and what they put their bodies through and then – you know, a couple of years into the business, still very green, looking at them and, and they come in and walk on walkers and crutches and wheelchairs. And I'm like, damn, man, this is what my life is going to be like. And you start to look at it and say, I don't want, or me personally, I said, I, I don't want to end up like these guys to where I can't walk. I want to take good care of my body. And over the, over the years, I, you know, I've, I've gotten really heavy and made some bad decisions when I was in my drug and alcohol induced years. And, and, and I, I got through that, you know what I mean? And I beat that and I, I kept my body in shape and I'm doing the very best that I can to, to keep it healthy. But I don't want, what I don't want is to, 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 um, keep going to where I'm permanently injuring my knees and my shoulders and my neck and taking a chance on, on living in a wheelchair and not, not being able to get around. And that's important to me, man. The, the kids today, uh, 
what was your question again? I'm well, sorry. Well, I just kind of. No, it's fine. I'm enjoying everything you have to say. I was just asking if beyond this match here with your brother, which you said could be your last stand, are there are there any other wrestling goals you'd have in AEW or talents you'd like to work with? Sure. I mean, um, not necessarily talents. I would, I would love to work any of those talents, but um, I think I think at this point it's getting to the point to where okay, what else can I do? I mean, I can pass on my knowledge to the younger kids and if they're willing to accept it and take it and listen, I can help them. Now I can't help them with doing 5,000 mile an hour high spots and shit like that, but I can, I can teach them how to tell stories and teach them the psychology side of the business. And that less is more sometimes, you know, and then you have to step it up sometimes. And, and, uh, I'm very good at that. That that is something that that I think our family is really good at is telling stories and, and the entertainment aspect of it. And I can help these new characters that come in. And I look at some of the new ones that are coming in, and, and you know, I can help some already. You know, and it's just uh, if that that is an opportunity for me, I'd definitely consider that. I would definitely consider some some more. Uh, not not necessarily full-time working but you know some a few matches here and there or what okay but i I really want to focus on on that and do my acting you know i think that's my next step in my career is is my acting because you know there's really no age thing for the acting i can start right now and i've already got a few behind me and i already have experience on television for 30 years on, on how to basically act so I want to take that and then do something that's a little easier on the body. You know, acting is a lot easier on the body. It can be, depending on the movie, I guess, right? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I... I uh... Well, unless you, do, unless you do all your own stunts and <laughs> stuff like that, which I don't have a problem with that as long as it's not putting me in danger. Yeah, I, I think of Tom Cruise in those Mission Impossible movies, like falling out of helicopters into, like, the sides of buildings and stuff, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, but that's just nuts. And Tom Cruise is a lot smaller than me, so he's probably a little more agile. Yeah. Uh, I'm buttoned up right at the 20-minute mark. I have a couple more questions. Do you mind if I grab you for just a couple more minutes here, uh, Dustin, or do you have to run off? Um, you know, there was the big news this past week. AEW signed with Warner Media. They're heading to TNT. Obviously, you were a big part of the Monday Night War. What goes through your head when you see that AEW logo with the Nitro Flames behind it? That's pretty cool, man. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. I, um, it's been it's been a long time. You know what I mean? It's it's that's my old friend TNT TBS. So I've been there. I know, and it's it's really cool, and it's it's almost magical, man, that uh, we are back with TNT. You know what I mean? And it's going to be hopefully another war to where they will step up their game and make everybody else step up their game. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's gonna, it's good for the business. It's good for the business when you have competition and everything is competition. All TV is competition. You know, you're all vying for spots. You're all vying for ratings. You're all vying for entertainment and, and to leave people with oohs and ahs and what's going to happen next week and things like that. So I'm very anxious to see how this plays out and, where it goes and how it grows, it's going to be exciting. And I'm glad that I'm on this, you know, first AEW show, man. And, and I'm with my brother. So 
the door's open. Just got to walk in. Can't wait. Uh, what are, uh, what are your expectations for, you know, how much content you think AEW is going to do? Do you think it'll just be TV or do you expect a, a touring schedule as well? I, that is, uh, I have no clue. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't. I couldn't answer that at all. I just know, you know, they, they got their, their, uh, TV deal and TNT and it's going to be exciting. As far as live events, I have, I have no clue. I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you guys have heard anything, and probably I'd be the last one to hear about it anyway. Unless, uh, somebody from, you know, Cody would actually text me and say, hey, we're going to do live events. I don't know. I haven't heard anything. So I'm looking forward to whatever, and if it's a weekly TV show, then then great. Let's do it. Okay. Let's have some fun. Let's, let's open some eyes, and let's make TNT strong and, and a wrestling again, you know? Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Sonny Kiss. Uh, I don't know, have you had a chance to check out much of his work? Yeah, and while we were just talking about me helping characters and things, he popped into my mind, and so, you know, so did Velveteen Dream. Those two, you know, I helped Velveteen Dream a lot with some of his stuff, and he has just taken a life of its own, man. It's taken on a life of its own, and he's, he's... He's going to be a huge star in the business. Sonny Kiss, I look at him and I'm like, okay, I can work with this and we can we can uh, figure some cool stuff out and be some, you know entertaining as as far as they'll let you be, and you know with with uh, television. And let, let's see where he grows and and where he goes. I I think he's got, uh, I think he has a big potential, man, to be very very entertaining with what he is trying to do. Yeah, uh, he's told me you were a big influence on him. So, like, you know, you talk about that pocket full of maybe a couple more matches after Cody. I think that uh, I'd be very interested to see what you and Sonny Kiss could do together. I feel like there's a lot of chemistry there, you know. I can't, I can't wait to see see him in person, you know what I mean? And actually be all these guys in person and to, to hear these crowds react for each of these individuals, you know, individually and, and just watch them and see how they operate and see what their attitudes are and how they act, because that's a big deal, man. You know, you have a bad attitude or something in the business. It's, it doesn't go far. It doesn't sit well with the boys in the back that are working their ass off and, and trying to, trying to accomplish, you know, a goal. And you have just, just these attitudes that come in and, and just kind of disrupt everything. And, so I'm anxious to see these kids and their attitudes and how they how they uh, carry themselves, you know, around AEW and in the business and and in this company that is theirs right now to take to the next level. So it should be very interesting. What's it been like uh, for you seeing this kind of backstage arsenal they've put together? You know, you got Jim Ross, Arn Anderson, Billy Gunn, Jerry Lynn. I mean, uh, what do you make up of all the the producer or the coaches and staff they've put together? I love it, man. I mean, opportunity knocks. Once one door closes, another one opens. You know what I'm saying? And Arn Anderson, you know, that I haven't really told a lot of people this, but I have five teachers in this business. Arn, Bobby Eaton, Larry Zabisco, Barry Wyndham, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Those are my five teachers. And Arn knows his shit inside and outside of that ring like crazy. Dean Malenko, same way. Yeah. Billy Gunn, Billy's going to be a great trainer. It's 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 going to be. I mean, the the group the group of guys we have right now, 
I wouldn't put too many in there. I mean, you don't want too many cooks in the chick uh, in the chicken in the kitchen. You know, um, the less is more because you get to actually work with those individuals, and you don't you know it's it's not you know there's not too many produce producers. You know what I mean? And you can actually concentrate and, and focus on certain guys and, and help them through the business. And you have, you have some good trainers. I mean, good, good uh, coaches. Dean and Arn are unbelievable. Uh, if, if they're running my match and producing my match, you know, in the past, I, I've always loved that for the other company. You know what I'm saying? If they've got me, I know that this match is going to be good when say I, I, uh, I go blank in the head with, with some things that I want to try to do and I just can't think straight. Arn will pop something out, man, and it just fits, and he makes it make sense. That's how he does, man. And and Dean Malenko is incredible for especially the like the tag teams and the smaller guys and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be incredible, man. I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited, so pumped for this weekend. Uh, I'll wrap it up here. I wanted to ask you, you know, you're obviously so known uh, as the gold dust character with the face paint. You've decided to keep the face paint here uh, going into to double nothing. Talk to me a little bit about this design and maybe any symbolism uh, behind it. I don't know. Am I going to be in paint or not? I don't know. You're on the poster with paint. Yeah, I'm on the poster with paint, but uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't tell you any of that, but I tell you what, when I did that interview, Okay. And I painted my face. It's just like it, it is like the, the the red and the black. To me, the red means life. The black means death, and it, it is. And then you have, so it's it's like my yin and yang. You have Dustin over here, and then you have this this other side of Dustin that, you know, I need to bring back and let the world see. So it, it's going to be interesting, and that's kind of kind of why I did the the split split paint, you know, um, two face style, you know, in Batman. Mm -hmm. You got you got a couple of different characters here, so it, it's going to be fun to play with. Okay, all right. Well, that's interesting. If I wear paint. I, yeah, I was about to say I'm very interested in the fact that you said maybe no paint. I was anticipating paint based on the poster. So. Uh, I need to make it exciting for people. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, you straight up went on Twitter and told everybody to not believe the rumors that you were leaving WWE, and you just straight up worked everybody a little bit there. I don't know if you recall that. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. And people were mad at me, but hey, you got work. <laughs> uh, Dustin, I really enjoyed this chat. I'm really looking forward to Double or Nothing in your match with your brother Cody uh, this weekend. Is there anything you want to uh, leave our listeners with here uh, today? I just appreciate all the support and the continued support, man. I really do. I'm a humble guy, and I love the business. I love everybody in the business. They're all, there's my family, and uh, you know, I'm. I'm just. I'm just. Let's leave it at that. That's it. Thank you. I'm here, man. I uh, appreciate everybody taking time out of their day to uh, join us here. Uh, we're excited about StarCast coming up next weekend in Las Vegas. Of course, most of the stage shows are going down at Caesars Palace, but uh, if for whatever reason you find yourself at Tuscany Suites, we've got the podcast movement stage there and the dark side of the ring screening one after another and lots of fun events like uh, karaoke with Bill After and uh, just a tremendous uh, fan experience at Tuscany. And it's completely free at Tuscany. No bracelet is required for anything going on over there. And 
uh, Friday, we'll kick things off with Breakfast with Busted Open. And we just announced today that we're doing a cosplay contest there hosted by Leva Bates uh, that will be talked about a lot on Busted Open, I'm sure. And the winner is going to get a pair of front row double or nothing tickets. So we're excited about that. Uh, and of course, everybody is talking about StarCast on Fight. Uh, 22 live shows available at StarCast on Fight uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the main event, of course, is the roast to Ric Flair. And I know there's going to be lots of questions about Rick today. Uh, I want to go ahead and, and try to address as much of that as I can. I think TMZ may have gotten a little bit of the story uh, inaccurately. This is not a last-minute surprise surgery to family. Uh, I knew that he was going to be uh, having a procedure done today. Uh, I don't think it is nearly as uh, grave or serious as TMZ would have us believe because Rick's in good spirits about it, knew, knew what was happening, and uh, could choose to have it done now or after Vegas and decided to go ahead and have it done now because he thought he'd be feeling good and uh, wanted to get this behind him beforehand. So uh, I appreciate all of the communication that I've gotten by text and email, uh, but I did just want to share that update with everybody. It's not a last-minute surprise situation. Uh, as far as the details of the surgery, that's a private matter that I'll let him or Wendy or his daughter Ashley address, uh, and I'd rather not just call me a thousand questions about uh, a procedure that he's done. But I do understand the concern and uh, wanted to make sure everybody had all the information that they needed in that regard. So, uh, Derek, with that in mind, you know, I'd like to talk about StarCast. I'm excited to answer some questions. It's been a crazy week with, you know, the Brett and uh, Tom McGee video finally airing on the WWE Network on Monday. And uh, we're going to have both of those guys together for the first time in a long time at StarCast. So it's been a wild week, and, and we're excited as we uh, get our march here to all things Caesars Palace next week. Well, thank you, Conrad. And with that, I will be opening up. Q and A Q&A session. There should be some instructions given to everyone on the phone once I Q and A session has started. To ask your question, please press star six. If you'd like to ask a question, please press one to add your your request has been received. Hang tight. Our first question comes from a six four six number. Please identify your name and your outlet, and feel free to ask Conrad a question. Hey, Conrad, it's Mike Johnson from PW Insider. How are you, sir? Oh, hang, hang tight. Uh, Conrad unfortunately got muted, and we will get him on the line. Go ahead, well, Conrad. I'm sorry about that, Conrad. Hey, Mike, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Nice to speak with you. How are you, sir? So I wanted to ask you, first of all, obviously, good, good to hear that the Rick situation is not as serious as would be. it was initial, initially reported. So obviously our best to Rick and everybody in the family, including you. So let's get that out of the way, first of all. Talk about um, staging this event in Vegas versus the first one in Chicago and trying to one-up yourself when you pretty much put together the definitive fan gathering to begin with. Well, I appreciate that. That's nice of you to say. You know, I did feel a lot of pressure to go bigger. Uh, some of these events that I have on the panel this year for StarCast 2 were actually ideas I had the first go around, but for whatever reason, we just couldn't make it happen. I wanted to get Sting there. I wanted to get Bret Hart there. I wasn't able to. Uh, I wanted to, you know, do the roast to Ric Flair, but he was uh, he already had another commitment. And I wanted to have Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat talk about their feud from 89 and do alternate commentary on one of those matches. Again, Rick wasn't available. And, of course, Arn Anderson couldn't do anything on stage, and Taz wasn't available. So a lot of these ideas are really holdovers from the original StarCast, where for whatever reason, just the logistics and the timing and the schedule, they didn't work out. 
so StarCast 2 is really the culmination of everything I ever hoped to do with the original StarCast. Uh, and I appreciate you saying that, but but I, I, I tend to agree. I think this is the biggest and the best wrestling convention of its sort ever. Uh, it's obviously a lot different because we've got the stage show component, but I think it's the best value for the buck around. And, and I hope folks will either join us live in Las Vegas or on fight at starcastonfight.com. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mike. Um, we will throw it to a 606 caller. Please uh, state your name and your outlet, please. Hey, Conrad, Sean Ross Sapp, uh, Fightful.com. Really interested to hear your take on the timing and the release of of WWE's Tom McGee stuff since uh, your panel was announced. I've talked to people on kind of both sides on this situation, and it's a little bit all over the place. Uh, How do you feel about that? Uh, It it went exactly as I expected it would. You know, WWE owns that footage. They have every right to show it. I knew that they would eventually. The interest and intrigue was really, really high. And I'm glad that if someone over there was going to put it together, I'm glad it was Giancarlo. I mean, he is a very talented uh, creator, and that's what he's done for a long, long time. And I followed his work from all the stuff he did with GCW and Joey Janela Spring Break and just been such a fan. And I was glad to see that you know he got something front and center that was near and dear to that hardcore fan. Uh, but once the, the, the tape was found, it was really a race to say, hey, who could do something with this? I know that WrestleCon was in touch with Tom McGee and wasn't able to make a deal work. I was able to make a deal work, and I was ecstatic about that opportunity. And uh, we got working on a video that I thought was going to be pretty groundbreaking, and it got everybody's attention. You know, when we posted that video, the teaser for the panel, it had like 400,000 views in short order or something. It was it was a crazy number, and uh, the interest for that was really really high. So I knew that that you know might uh, push up the plans to release it. But before we ever posted it, I suspected that the match would air before we ever actually got to StarCast. Uh, so now that everyone has seen the match, now they get to you know ask questions about the match, and we get to see Brett and Tom sit together and talk about the match together for the first time. And I just think it's going to be a unique experience. I don't think it's hurt StarCast at all. I know that you know this has been an interesting experience as we march towards the second StarCast. It does feel like there's lots of rumor and innuendo about WWE and what they like and what they don't like or what they'll allow or what they won't allow. Uh, but that was something that I, I never took personally. And I knew that it was relative content and they owned it. And I'm glad if someone did it, it was Giancarlo. So uh, more people now know who Tom McGee is and know about the hysteria about this match and the backstory than they did a week ago. So I, I don't view it as a negative at all. And uh, in fact, I think interest will be up a little bit for the panel at StarCast as a result. Thanks, comrade. Thank you. All right, we will throw it to a... You may now ask your question. Feel please state your name and who you're with. Hi, Conrad. This is Nick Hausman from Wrestling Inc. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Well, thanks for jumping on, Nick. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, there was a lot of uh, rumors and innuendo reports, I guess, about uh, you know the relationship you had with WWE that eventually led to Undertaker being pulled from StarCast 2. I was wondering if you could shed some light on what those communications were like with WWE regarding The Undertaker and what concessions, if any, were made to you because of him being pulled out of the event. No concessions were made to me. Uh, absolutely none. Um, you know, it would be nice if, if that were, were to have been the case, but from the very first conversation we had about a suitable replacement for the undertaker, that was the phrase used. 
I didn't know who that could be, and I still don't know who that could be. You know, I suggested the McMahons, and obviously, you know, that's not going to happen. So uh, I made another suggestion about, you know, maybe we could get Shawn Michaels back, who we originally had uh, a deal worked out with, but he, once he realized that we were sort of piggybacking the AWA event, he pulled out, and I understand that. So I thought, hey, maybe we could get Shawn back, and we could do the idea for the ladder match with him and, and Razor Ramon talking about, 1994 for their 25-year anniversary, but uh, that ultimately wound up not happening. So no concessions were made whatsoever, uh, and uh, we found out that, you know, I booked The Undertaker through Get Engage Media, and I wired my deposit to Get Engage Media, and I had a contract with Get Engage Media, and I was contacted by Get Engage Media to let me know that WWE would not allow The Undertaker to appear. So uh, unfortunately, the uh, WWE has been painted with the uh, the ugly stick a little bit here, and I think The Undertaker has too, and I think that might be a little unfair. Um, my, my deal was with Get Engage Media, and uh, Get Engage Media is who was marketing and advertising him on his social media and made a contract with me and ultimately didn't honor it. So uh, the, the quote-unquote heat should not be on WWE for this, in my opinion, or, or, or Undertaker for that matter. It's, it's Undertaker's representation, Get Engage Media. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Conrad. No, thank you. Conrad, I have a question here that was submitted. Can you clarify your role with AEW? Sure. Uh, friend, I know that the internet was buzzed this week when uh, the AEW website had me listed as a member of the broadcast team. I don't know why that was exactly a surprise. I hosted the first two rallies. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not calling anything at double or nothing. I don't have a contract with AEW. Uh, I'm great friends with Cody Rhodes and, and a bunch of those guys, and friends with the Bucks, and obviously I co-host a show now with Jr. And I've been friends with Tony Khan for years. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm very, very good friends with those guys. Uh, but I've never received any compensation. I don't have a contract. Uh, I don't have any plans moving forward. That doesn't mean that won't change. Uh, but I hosted the two rallies, and, and I thought by now everybody would have figured out why. Uh, it's not like JR was available to do that. But now that they have Jim Ross under contract, why in the world would they need me to host a rally or anything like that in the future? Would If they asked me to, will I? Absolutely. Those guys are my friends, uh, and I will continue to support them every way I can. But I was front and center for those first two rallies, so technically the only two events they've held, I was like the uh, the lead guy, I guess. I don't know. But I never put much thought into it, and, and I found it amusing that on a day where such big news broke about AEW being on TNT and wrestling returning to Turner officially, and it's out there, and it's not a rumor, and it's confirmed that anybody had any sort of question about what my role was was a little funny. Um, I don't I don't have an official role. My my role is the exact same as it was in January or February. Just a friend. All right, we will throw to an 814 number. Please state your name and who you're with. Hi, Conrad. This is Dominic D'AngeloWrestlingZone.com. Thanks for taking the time today to speak with us. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. I'm a big fan of you guys and appreciate you taking time to jump on with us. Hey, not a problem. Thank you. Um, I think we're all pretty excited for uh, Arn Anderson showing up and having his own solo show. Uh, I was curious if you could talk, like touch upon a little bit about your excitement for it what you to hope hear from him and like your uh, previous connection with him and how it all came to be with Arn Anderson being at Sarcast too. I actually met Arn years ago. I believe it was through uh, Michael Hayes 
and uh, we just became fast friends. And uh, I mean, he's visited my home and I've visited his and I became very friendly with his wife, Erin. And of course, my wife, you know, grew up knowing both Aaron and Aaron very, very well. And um, we just clicked. So when it was announced that uh, we were doing StarCast, I wanted to do a, a horseman photo op. And of course, you can't do that without Arn Anderson. So we lined Arn up and I asked, like I always do, can I get you to do something on stage? And he said, no, I can't do it. Not allowed. And then that changed. So when Arn was no longer there, I said, hey, man, what about a live show? And he said, well, what would that look like? We sort of talked through it, and he didn't hate the idea. Now we're glad to uh, present Arn live on stage uh, at uh, StarCast 2. It's going down on Friday, and it'll be the last event right before the Double or Nothing press conference. And Arn's back where he belongs with a live microphone in his hand under the lights uh, and without the restrictor plate from WWE for the first time in Gosh, nearly 20 years. So I'm excited, and uh, I'm sure we'll get to hear a little bit about the good old days, you know, the Jim Crockett promotion days. But I'm sure there will be some questions from the audience about WWE now. I don't think it's a big secret that a lot of guys uh, have their favorite agents, and John Cena has been the franchise of WWE for a generation now, and Arn Anderson was his go-to guy. So uh, if you ask anybody who's been up there very long, they'll tell you that he's one of the great minds of the business and one of the best quote-unquote finished men and for the first time, fans really get to dig into that because he's never done anything like this ever before. So it's one of the panels I'm most excited for as well. Awesome. Thank you, Conrad. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for that one too. Hell yeah. All right, Conrad, we have another submitted question. Outside of the stage shows, who was the toughest talent to book for StarCast 2 for meet and greets or autograph sessions? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, well, Taz comes to mind. I tried to book Taz the first year, and uh, that was quickly shut down because Taz never does anything like this. You know, uh, I'm great friends with, with Michael and all the guys at Hotspots who put on WrestleCon, and, you know, they tried to get Taz to do WrestleCon this year, and it was in New York, you know, just a few blocks from his radio station, and, and he just didn't want to do it, couldn't do it, wasn't available. I don't know the circumstances. I just know fans weren't able to meet Taz and he was one of our most requested guests. And I didn't think we would ever get him and somehow, some way through a process and uh, I, I don't give up easy. We made it happen. Uh, and by the time we actually got him, uh, my docket was full. I didn't have room for a stage show. We had already sort of rolled everything out and announced everything. And somewhere in there, um, we got the bad news that uh, Terry Funk had lost his wife, and as a result, I just laid out and, and didn't pursue that and didn't push that at all, uh, but when Terry and I finally spoke, and, and he made it clear that he, he really needed a little more time and, and wasn't really feeling up to making the trip, there was a hole on the schedule, and we were able to get Taz on stage for the first time at StarCast, and we're really excited about that, uh, and I guess the most difficult international talent was Kobashi. You know, Kobashi was somebody that we wanted from January. Uh, and, and I started trying to negotiate and for whatever reason, I couldn't make much headway. But when we finally got the deal done, uh, I knew that the internet would be really, really excited for that. I hate to call it the internet, but there is a contingent of, you know, hardcore Japanese wrestling fans. And the only place I communicate with them is somewhere online. And, um, if you, if you followed the history of Japanese wrestling, you know, that Kobashi is in the same regard as a Ric Flair or a Shawn Michaels is one of the all-time greats. I mean, the very tippy top of the list. And to my knowledge, he's never done a meet and greet like this, whether in the United States or, or even in Japan. I don't think 
meet and greets or really an industry in Japan like they are here. But I don't think he's ever done anything like this in the States. So we are thrilled to have Kobashi. So I guess my answer is Kobashi and Taz. Great. Um, appreciate that. And let's go to a, looks like a 3 3 number. Uh, please state your name and who you're with. Hello, my name is Stephanie from Theochair Magazine in UK, and I'm calling from France. Uh, hi, Conrad. Well, hello. Thank you for calling in. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. Uh, you will welcome my fellow writer, uh, Liam O'Rourke, uh, on StarCast, so it's even more a pleasure for me. Uh, you said that they didn't have any kind of rule with AEW, but at the same time, on the other side, um, is StarCast meant to follow uh, AEW events, uh, or StarCast is made to have its own life? And uh, do you think of developing the, um, the concept to other countries, and why not in Europe? Thank you. Well, I guess I'll start with the last question first. I would absolutely be delighted to do one of these in Europe. Um, unfortunately, though, the location is not really up to me. I am trying to piggyback other events. Uh, but if if there were an opportunity to do this somewhere in the UK, uh, I think that would be a huge hit. Uh, I was able to take my podcast, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, on the road uh, for a tour through Fight Forever in December. And I was shocked at how popular the podcast was over there. And a, a friend of mine has said that he considers the UK a, a wrestling crazed country. And it wasn't until I was over there that I really understood what he meant. And I absolutely loved my, my time there and would love to bring uh, a star cast over there. And, and given uh, the relationship that the Khan family has uh, in the UK, it does make me uh, hopeful that there will be a star cast in the UK at some point. Uh, as for whether or not StarCast is an AEW thing, because we follow AEW events, that's not exactly true. The first StarCast was based on All In, which was uh, a Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks production. Now, of course, Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks are with AEW, uh, so, of course, that's where I am. So my loyalty uh, to the StarCast brand is always going to be to the, the fellow who believed in me to give me the opportunity to sort of piggyback the event the first time, and that's Cody Rhodes. So while on paper, uh, you know, the StarCast Corporation, uh, the StarCast LLC is 100% me uh, in my in my heart and mind, it, it's 50-50 Cody and the Bucks and myself because without those guys allowing me to, you know, try this last year in Chicago, there's no way we would be doing it now in Las Vegas. Uh, but I, I mean, if I'm honest, I expect as AEW continues to grow, they'll want to have their own convention arm, much like WWE has access. I mean, that seems like a natural progression at some point for AEW, uh, but I won't compete with that. You know, I don't want to be, you know, the WrestleCon to AEW, sort of like WrestleCon is to WrestleMania. WrestleCon has become their own brand and their own thing. So I'm never going to swerve into that lane or try to do something like that. Uh, during WrestleMania, but at the same time, I don't I don't know that I would try to compete with an AEW production like those are my buddies. I don't I don't want to compete. I want to do it with them or not at all. So uh, I'm not following AEW. I'm following Cody Rhodes. That's a great commitment. Fantastic. 
Thank you very much. And I appreciate you calling in. I have no idea what time it is over there that you guys were uh, even calling in today. So it made my day to hear that you were. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's 7.30 in uh, France. Well, there you go. Thank you very much. Uh, another question here sent in. Can you talk about the timing of landing Dean Malenko? It seemed like he left WWE, and the next day he was uh, announced for StarCast. Can you talk about that timing? Sure. I mean, you know, I don't think it's a big secret that, that uh, I'd already booked Arn Anderson, and Arn was uh, obviously a longtime friend of Dean Malenko, not just from the WCW days, but they were both agents or producers or whatever the title is in WWE, and um, they were in communication. So once I heard before it was made public that uh, Dean was no longer with WWE, I texted Arn and said, hey, man, think uh, Dean would want to come to StarCast? And he replied with his phone number. So I reached out and texted him, and uh, we worked the deal out. I started working on the graphic, and then I think I actually had it ready before it was public that he was gone. Uh, but I wanted to wait and not, you know, sort of j jump on that or step on that. So I waited a whole day, maybe not even a day, maybe maybe 12, 14 hours. But I waited a little while and then pushed it out. And we're excited that Dean's going to be there, you know, especially on a weekend where we're really celebrating all things Ric Flair and Horseman. Uh, it feels like we should we should definitely have Dean there, and we're excited to have him. Great. Thank you. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to uh, submit a question, please do so now. Uh, I have another one here that was submitted um, through chat. Um, I will just summarize it. Is the, Does the TNT deal with AEW affect how StarCast will be able to draw talent in the future? Well, I don't know what the future plans are for StarCast. I know that sounds silly, but I'm so focused on Las Vegas right now. I don't know, you know what that even looks like in the future. But as I just sort of alluded to a minute ago, if at some point you know AEW wanted to do their own sort of version of access like WWE does, that would make logical sense to me. And, and I would be happy to help them with that or, or bow out if, if they decided that you know, they wanted to handle it on their end. You know, I'm, I'm going to support whatever those guys do, no matter what, uh, that they've believed in me and supported me. And that's the right thing to do. So I can't speak to what will happen in the future, but I can say that thousands of fans are going to have the time of their life next weekend at Caesar's palace in Las Vegas for Starcast two. Great. Well, I'm looking at the, the queue for questions, and it is empty, Conrad. Um, so is there any closing remarks that you'd like uh, before we say goodbye? I just want to uh, thank everybody for all the thoughts and prayers for Rick and, and his family. Uh, but I want to assure everybody that uh, uh, Rick was not worried about this. Rick did not think it was going to be uh, on TMZ or reported the way it was, obviously, and, and, and he had an option of, of doing this procedure now or waiting until after StarCast. He opted to do it now, so it's not uh, it's not nearly as grave. I hate to even use a word like that, as maybe TMZ has suggested. Uh, but I'm sure there will be a, a statement posted at some point later today or early tomorrow, uh, but it's all systems go. The roast Ric Flair is still happening, and, and so is StarCast, and uh, we're still behind the scenes working on a few little last-minute surprises, but it is a who's who of wrestling talent who will be converging on Las Vegas and Caesars Palace next weekend from Sting and Bret Hart and Ric Flair and Kobashi and, of course, Cody and the Bucks and Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega and everyone in between. 
uh, more than we can possibly list on this call. But 22 live shows on fight. Uh, you don't have to be in Las Vegas in order to enjoy it. It's live and on demand with unlimited replays in HD. Anywhere you have a smart device or an internet connection at StarCastOnFight.com. Or if you'd like to attend, tickets are still on sale. And I should mention there is a flash sale tomorrow for one hour. Uh, so if you're if you're going and for whatever reason uh, weren't able to pick up one of your favorite meet and greets or an eat and greet where you can have lunch with a Hall of Famer, uh, all of those will be available and many will be uh, reduced by half tomorrow at noon Eastern uh, with the promo code half. So the flash sale is tomorrow at noon. The promo code is half and uh, you can uh, pre-order StarCast on Fight at StarCastOnFight.com. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show. Thank you so much to Dustin Rhodes for the time. Uh, thank you to Conrad as well for doing that media call. Uh, lots of great stuff here today. Uh, and thank you all very much for listening. If you want to support the site, you want to support the show, go over to our Pro Wrestling Tea store, buy a Wrestling Inc. t-shirt, the logo, the Jack Journalist shirt, either or. Take a photo, tag me. We'll retweet it uh, uh, over on the uh, the social medias. Uh, you go over to our iTunes page, leave a nice five-star rating, leave a nice comment. All those things are always appreciated. Uh, of course, every Friday we do a video version of the weekly. Myself, Raj Giri, over on the Ringside Wrestling app. It is free to download every Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time. You can find us there. Now, before I throw to this uh, Owen Hart tribute song to wrap up the show, Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here? Uh, follow me at Justin LaBar. My Wrestling Reality Podcast will be out uh, tomorrow morning, Friday morning, uh, 7 a.m. So you can find it uh, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, anywhere. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, and uh, have fun in Vegas. Thank you very much. I will indeed. I hope to see many of you there. Come over, say hello to me. Uh, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. If you winked, you didn't miss it. And with that, uh, we're going to kick it now to this Owen Hart tribute song, We Still Need You, Owen, by Greg Fishman. Met you down by the parking lot Way back down in 91 Told security I was good to go And then you sat back in the sun across the sun, the sun, we still need you, Bell, 
the bell 